Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Freedom's Creed. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast once again. Now, as of this recording, we still don't know some of the results of the midterm elections in a couple of states. And of course, in Georgia, we have a runoff scheduled for December. Now, I know for the most part, the midterm elections are over, but how can I not talk about it still after the fact? This is unprecedented, unbelievable is what it is. Hence the title for the podcast today. What are we? Third World? Now, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is called Freedom's Creed. And if you're just tuning into the podcast for the first time and you haven't listened to the first episode, you might want to go back and listen to that because I talk about the definition of creed, that it's a set of fundamental beliefs, a guiding principle. Now, in my mind, is there no greater guiding principle or fundamental belief in the United States of America than the right to vote? Indeed, it is one of the most fundamental beliefs that we share as Americans. Yet, during this midterm election, actually leading up to the midterms, we heard this constant drumbeat about voter suppression. Yet, in many locales, there were record numbers of people voting. And if you go back to the election, presidential election, that is, of 2020, both major party candidates received more votes than at any other time in history. Yet, we heard a ton about voter suppression even then. Give me a break. Wouldn't you think that if there was record numbers of voters, number one, and number two, if voter suppression was really taking place the way that some politicians say, that both major parties and others would be talking about it, not just one major political party and 90% of the media, but everybody would be talking about it, right? So here's the thing. We have to overcome an inordinate amount of ignorance coming from the mouths of politicians who, right around election time, seem to spew this toxic hyperbole. It's disgusting. They do it so they can sway the ignorant and uninformed voter. That's the only reason why they do it. And they're smart for doing it. Because guess what? It works. Let me share a few examples with you. And mostly these come from the sitting president. There are some that are more general. But specifically, we all know that Biden referred to these mega, mega voters who were supposedly going to threaten democracy if they were elected. Now, we are post-election, and near as I can tell, the republic is still pretty much intact. So that was some toxic hyperbole for sure. What about Biden saying that there were over 300 election deniers on the ballot all across the country for these midterm elections? Unbelievable. Also, remember what happened this past summer when the Supreme Court of the United States sent the 
abortion issue back to the states by overturning Roe versus Wade. Now, there were people who mischaracterized the abortion issue, and they still do, particularly leading up to the midterm elections. They decried that Republicans, if elected, will never support the so-called woman's right to choose. Now, leftists said that it was now illegal, when in reality, the Supreme Court sent it back to the states where it rightfully belongs. Check out the Tenth Amendment and you'll see what I'm talking about. The abortion issue became a very, very big part of these midterm elections. And I have to say that Democrats used it to their advantage. Now, I want to go back to this idea of voter suppression or downright losing the actual right to vote. There were many so-called leftists that said that if Republicans were elected, that people would actually lose the right to vote. And also that voting would again be suppressed. But I want to know is where are all the voter suppression cases that are clogging up the legal system? Mm, Yeah, I, I don't know either. How about when Biden accused Republicans of these antics that he referred to as Jim Crow 2.0. Where is the accountability for using such toxic hyperbole? I want to know. Why isn't he held to account for these reckless things that he says? I don't understand. Now, if Republicans are saying equally stupid things like that, then yeah, I'll talk about that and I'll bring it up. And though Republicans are guilty of saying some really stupid things, they don't seem to be equal or on the same level as the sitting president or a campaigning president, whichever you want to pick. He's probably said it in both cases when he was campaigning and as the sitting president, Jim Crow (laughs) 2.0. I mean, really? He, He thinks he's being cute when he says that, but does he not realize that it was his party that started all that Jim Crow nonsense to begin with? And you can, I don't care if it was decades and decades ago. It was still that party who did it. The Democrats did that. Not the Republicans. It was the Democrats. Yet, no one ever talks about that because, oh, wow, that's ancient history. Nobody even cares about that anymore. That was a long time ago. And, well, you know, now the Republicans have replaced the Jim Crow Democrats from back in the day. So no need to worry about it now. It's the Republicans who are the racists and who are trying to suppress black and brown people from voting. Please, everybody knows that. Speaking of past history that never seemed to, how can I say this, uh, be accounted for, how about these two gems? The one where I believe it was when Biden and Obama were running maybe the second time in 2012. I'm not quite sure. Look it up. I'm not a spoon feeder. But I believe Biden thought that he was speaking to a rather hmm, soft crowd and that they would go along with the things that he was saying. And he made the comment that if Republicans get elected, that they're going to put y'all back in chains. You guys remember that? I do. And wow, the firestorm and the backlash that came about after he said that. Whew. What? There, wait, there, there wasn't any backlash from that? 
wait a second. I must have been thinking about somebody else. Weird, probably some Republican. I don't know. Well, surely y'all remember this one because this one also took place back during the Biden, Obama, Obama, Biden years, however you want to say it, where he got in so much trouble, Biden that is, when he said that if you want to work at a 7-Eleven, you need to have a slight Indian accent. <laughs> y'all remember that? When he, oh, he got in so much trouble. I think they were going to take him to court and sue him for slander and, and all kinds of racist and, and, and wait, what? Oh, oh yeah. I, I must be thinking about somebody else there too. Gee whiz, what's going on here? Well, ladies and gentlemen, you'll have to forgive me for that bit of satire, but I couldn't resist, but it proves a point that if you have the right political stripes in the country, then you can pretty much get away with whatever the you want. Now, seriously though, ladies and gentlemen, why is it that a lot of leftists seem to think that black and brown people are incapable of obtaining an ID card? Think about it. Why do you think that is? Well, check this out. You've all thought this before, I'm sure. Look at all the other things that you need an ID for, and by no means is this an exhaustive list. They're just some things that I randomly thought of that all of us know we need an ID card for, such as to drive, to get a job, legally anyway, to buy alcohol, buy cigarettes, go to school, college even, get government assistance, Hmm. social security payments. How about to get a passport, join the military, open a bank account, rent or even buy a home, get on a plane, etc., etc., These are just a few of the things that I thought of. I'm sure there are probably many, many more things that you need an ID card for in the United States of America. And guess what? 99.9% of the people who realize this don't complain because they want to be able to buy alcohol or cigarettes or go to school or get on a plane or do any number of things that you need an ID card for. It's not a bunch of rocket science or some sort of new methodology that all of a sudden maybe started in, I don't know, 2020 when we started having all these election problems, which I'm going to get into here in a second. So let me just say that requiring all voters to present an ID card is not, I repeat, is not an example of voter suppression. End of story. But certainly that election of Bush and Gore in 2020, oh man, wow, hanging chads and dude looking at a ballot with his glasses on, looking like he was about to blow a gasket because he couldn't figure out who the voter actually voted for. (laughs) I mean, it's ridiculous. Anyway, we don't want to relive that. It's actually gotten much, much worse, I think, than 2020, personally, if you ask me. Yeah, I think it's worse. So if you're the right age, meaning the age to vote, and you're not a convicted felon, 
then you have the right to vote. Now, before technology, we actually would go to the precinct where we voted. And if you didn't go to the place where you were supposed to vote, then guess what? You didn't vote. With very, very few exceptions. There's no reason why we can't all do that now. In fact, we probably should. (laughs) Because there are too many instances of mischief, like, oh, I don't know, mail-in ballots, early voting that starts as early as 30 or 60 days before the actual election day, dropping off a ballot on election day that you took the time to fill out at your house and you didn't want to mail it because you didn't trust the mail, so you dropped it off at the precinct. I think in many ways, technology has become a curse with respect to voting. Now, before you think I'm some sort of lunatic, I think that anyone who serves their country in the military or serves the country in some other way or just works abroad has the right to vote absentee ballot. That's there for a reason. It gives people who are living abroad, who are not able to be here in the States during an election, to be able to vote in an election, whether it's a presidential election, a midterm, or something that impacts your local community wherever you live. And there may be other instances where people are not able to get out and they need a family member or a loved one or a trusted individual who can actually take the ballot, deliver it to where it needs to be delivered, and we're good to go. It used to be called Election Day. (laughs) It was called Election Day for a reason, because it took place in one day. And it was quite literally one day. And we knew the outcome, usually the next day. Amazing how we were able to do that back in the day. But as I said, technology has wormed its way in and nefarious people, I'm sorry, if you don't get the fact that there are some people in the world, forget the world, in this country who will do anything to ensure that their guy or gal wins and that the other person doesn't. If you don't believe that, if you are so naive that you cannot accept the fact that there are people in this country who are like that, then I'm sorry, you're part of the problem. We need to fix this problem of voting. We need to be able to vote on voting day, and I don't care if we make it a national holiday, make a law that requires employers to let their employees off to go vote and even pay them for it. I don't care. It's one day every two years, every four years. You're trying to tell me that employers can't handle something like that? You don't do it in mass. You don't just shut down the place and tell everybody, okay, go vote. That's stupid. Businesses are in the business of making money. It can be done in a way that is equitable for everyone. And it's one day every two years, every four years, as I said. Do you mean to tell me that employers don't lose a ton of money in a lot of other places, like employees farting around in the job, doing whatever they want to do, while on the employer's dime? We know it happens. Come on. Give me a break. There's 
definitely a way to have election day be a thing and allow everybody to vote on that day who is able to and who's actually in the country. It, as I said, it's not rocket science. It's pretty simple. It's pretty basic. What are the reasons could there be for wanting to have early voting a couple months before the actual election and then taking all of this time after an election has ended to be able to count the vote? Why does it take so long? Why does it take one state a few hours to actually count the vote and then it takes other states days, even weeks sometimes to declare a winner? Are you kidding me? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And it's downright nefarious. There's no other way to say it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for now. I must sign off, as it were. I'm going to be taking a couple of weeks away from the podcast. So I'll be back probably sometime in late November or the first part of December. I appreciate all of you who have downloaded episodes, who are listening to the podcast. I cannot thank you enough for that. So I appreciate it very, very much. I will end with this very simple quote from George Carlin, who said, quote, If you don't vote, you lose the right to complain. End of quote. And like you, I want my vote to count. I don't want it to count more than once. I want it to count one time. And I would very much like my fellow citizens' votes to also count only one time. That's the way it should be. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, if you can think it, you can plan it. If you can plan it, you can do it.